it's people like like that who understood it at such a fundamental like technical level like they were like it's it's not gonna work um if we increase the block size to eight meg then the man on the street can't run a node like no one will be able to download the ledger and run a node like they and it was it, was, it wasn't even about the transaction speed or the value it was literally on a very very this doesn't scale the way that we believe bitcoin is intended to scale um it it, it centralizes it even more to like people who can afford multiple terabytes of storage to save the blockchain on or save their ledgers on and in hindsight they were so far ahead of the times in their thinking and they were just like this thought and and now we know now we know it's it's they were right and if they didn't stand their ground what would i don't want to say more centralized than ethereum but we could very well be heading in that way Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to By the Horns, a Bitcoin podcast about South Africa. This evening, we are joined by none other than Neil Kemp. Neil is a fellow Bredaarsdopper, as am I, the center of the universe. And uh, tonight, we're going to talk all about Neil's journey through uh, being a normie, moving to becoming a kryptonite, and then finally becoming a Bitcoin maxi from a, you know, I don't want to say average Joe, because Neil's not an average Joe, but, you know, we, <laughs> we'd like to hear your, the story from uh, someone who walks among us, you know. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sneak the Bradazop thing in there. Yeah, most to, people don't yeah, know, but Brad, yeah, most people don't know, but Bradazop is the center of the universe. Now you know. People don't know where that is. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't want to yeah. say things about most people. Like everyone's pausing you know the podcast now, googling it, <laughs> <laughs> zooming in like seven times. <clears throat> oh, it's that that little spot right there next to the ocean. You know, my favorite story about Bradazop is is like how the people in the church fought so much that half of them were like, fuck this, we're out, we're moving 14Ks to Napier and starting our own church. Yeah, couldn't <laughs> couldn't figure out where, where, where to put it. And we're like, okay, half put it there and then 15Ks. Yeah. So there's and like two massive, people? yeah, two massive yeah. in-head churches like 14Ks apart. It's beautiful. Yeah. And they have completely different congregations. Like they're not the same people and some people will go from Napier and then drive to Bredalsdorp and attend church there on a Sunday and drive back and vice versa just because it's completely different places. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. But I mean, that's Bredalsdorp's history for you. Um, another fun fact about Bredalsdorp, um, you know, it's kind of maybe the tech capital of the Overberg. I don't know, Kaladin kind of competes there, but... Let's not talk about Kaladin. Kaladin's a shithole. I, I don't know enough about the tech industry <laughs> to comment on that, but it's it's probably right right up there. Um, yeah. Not a lot of places to be the tech capital of the Overberg. Maybe Hanspa? Yeah, what is it like a world no, like, running I, around there? All I know of Hanspa is they have a nice bookshop and there's a one Leon Schuster video of an old lady getting really angry about him trying to take a brandy that were like shot in the mid 90s. Yes. I remember that one. <laughs> uh, but no, Bernalsop's a lovely place, guys. Very pretty. Very nice. Good schools. Um, you know, when the zombies descend on us, maybe it's a nice place to move a family to and live a decent life. Anyway. Yeah, out in, out in the sticks. Lovely place yeah. for Citadel. Up on the hill overlooking the cornfield, some canola, hay feed. No, there's no corn. Timber. No corn in Bernalsop. No, no, no wheat, wheat. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Wheat, yeah, wheat and canola only. Corn is... Uh, yeah. They grow yes, corn outside Caledon. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's 
Anyway, uh, we digress. Um, right, guys. So, Neil, what's your story? We are background story. Uh, how do we know each other? Uh, background story. We we went to school together um, mm -hmm. in Bredasdorp. Bredasdorp High School, um, the center of excellence of academic excellence. Um, I met Ricky playing hockey, basically. Like everyone in this world town knows each other, but mm. besides that, playing hockey. Um, but like we we never spent time together. It's that comes years later. Um, Matric later there, moved to Poch for four and a half years. That's where the, the cornfields come in. Um, there I spent four and a half years studying first financial engineering or financial mathematics, and then post grad. Uh, quantitative risk management, honors and masters. And then like, this sucks. I want to go back to Cape Town and then moved to Cape Town. And I've been working for the same company for about eight, eight and a half years now, like in the retail industry on, on the data side. So not really risk management in a professional capacity, more of a, of a data science lad. Um, so yeah, that's, that's roughly my, my professional background. Um, but mm. that is not really what we want to discuss, is it? Well, I, it's good to get that. It's good to get that point across, though, because I mean, I did introduce you as a regular Joe, but not a lot of people have master's degrees in quantitative mathematics. Yes, yes, it's it's a pity I don't actively work in the field, um, but it the layer is the same. It's it's a base layer in statistics, and then you just apply that. But it does help me navigate the financial side of like Bitcoin and investment. So it's in, in that aspect, it helps me be not average in terms of knowing what is available, knowing what goes on often behind the screens, behind the curtains. They don't want you to see, know what to look out for. Um, so yeah. 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 So that takes us to where, where you and I kind of, so obviously we knew each other at school 10 years later, 12, 13 years later, we meet up again in 2017. Um, in a professional capacity, I was working in the wealth management space. Neil was a, a client. We got chatting. Um, <clears throat> we're chatting about like all types of investments and you know what, what, how you should you know look at your money. Neil's obviously one of the people who takes a keen interest in doing this stuff yourself. Um, so you know we went down that road of conventional financial assets, and then I'm not sure. Obviously, you'd heard about Bitcoin at this point in time, but I was obviously quite keen about Bitcoin too. So my my Bitcoin story starts. If, if you like the first time I heard of it was 2013, there was that massive run up. It's the first time it probably hit like mainstream news. It hit that thousand, one hundred thousand, three hundred dollar mark. And then it came crashing down. And I had a, a colleague of mine, like we were often talking about investments and like, what about this product and that product? And he, his uncle, brother-in-law, someone runs a fund, let's put money in there. So it's always been an interest and he brings up Bitcoin. And I have a look at it and go, this, this is, no, this isn't going to work. This is a scam. Look how it lost 80% of its value. I had that first reaction that people have to it. Um, and then on a, obviously $1,300 wasn't the price that I was supposed to buy in at. Um, and then three years later, somewhere along the line, I ended up like on a Dogecoin subreddit and downloaded the, the Dogecoin mine. I was like, this is the thing. I'm going to mine Dogecoin become some sort of crypto millionaire that lasted for all of an afternoon where I couldn't download the whole blockchain, the whole Dogecoin ledger. Um, and then it kind of just fed into obscurity. And then in 2017, it started making headline news. So Ricky posting about it on Facebook. This is 
and then that is where my 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 big journey starts. And I think there were like seminars and classes and things that we attended. Um, oh yeah, that's actually how we met, right? I was hosting a Bitcoin workshop. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you came Bitcoin to one of the evening workshops. workshops. Yeah. Mm, 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 um, yeah. I was like, I I'll take five thousand rand, and like this is what I'm willing to lose, and I'll give it a shot. And like, I could think on this. 16th of May, 27th of May, somewhere around there. Uh, Open Luno account bought my first Bitcoin at 27,000 Rand each. So I say Incredible. each like I bought more. I bought 0 0.15 at 27,000 <laughs> Rand. Um, and it yeah. very, very quickly spiraled out of control. Um, I, I took basically the journey of most people new to the space, like, oh, this went up by 30% in a weekend. Put in more, put in more, and it takes about a month before you read about. Oh, Ethereum is the next big thing, and Ethereum's like it's got the smart contracts and all the things, and then you promptly take all your Bitcoin and buy Ethereum with it, and then as as this thing grows, it kind of steamrolls and snowballs onto itself, and then and before you know, it, you're neck deep in shit coins. Um, were you were you market buying at that point? Were you actually like making exchange orders to try so, and save money? I, I I knew about because I I've been trading stocks in air quotes. Um, I bought Able on the crash and then lost a lot of money. <laughs> so I've, I've I'm aware of limit orders and stop orders and market orders. So at the time I clicked a buy button on Luno, that nice thing on the front end, like oh they took in two percent fees, and then started doubling. Oh there is an exchange, fiddled around with that. So by the time I was neck deep in Neo and Ethereum and Monaco and all sorts of things. Um, I was actively properly using exchange. So yeah. my my financial background and my education, like the, the financial engineering, financial mathematics degree helped with sidestepping some of those middlemen fees yeah. um, where these exchanges make their money. So yeah. that that was slightly quicker. Um, and cheaper, but I think I think that's the thing that a lot of people go through. They just keep spot buying, spot buying, spot buying, and they yep. and then they go and see their transaction history. And uh, three months later, they they go, "Oh shit!" Yeah, it's, <laughs> they tell it's, you those. It's bad. It's, yeah, and and back then, I say back then, like I'm like a seventy year old man. Back then, four years ago, um, the 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 market buying fee was one percent. On, on most, I say most of the local exchanges on Luno, the, the only one that was trustworthy at the time. Um, so if paying 2% for the quick buy or like fiddling with the exchange, there wasn't such a big a gain. Now it's like 0.1%, which is almost acceptable, but it's still terrible. Um, if, if you know that there are other mean, ways and means of going about it. Yeah, I mean, so so I uh, I need to I suppose uh, confess here. So I was in 2017 running these these Bitcoin workshops, and we we were doing trading workshops as well, so teaching people how to trade. Um, and this just, I mean, I'm going to get shamed for this now because I don't advocate trading at all anymore. But the only reason why I do this and and and, <laughs> and nearly in the same boat now as well is that we've been there, we've done that, yeah. we've traded, and we realized it's a futile endeavor, and it takes it all of your time. Your life gets consumed by it. And you would be better off if you just held your Bitcoin. It's and and before you've gone on that journey, before you have made those decisions, experienced those emotions, lost that money, gained that money, it's it's 
there's adrenaline, it's a thrill, it's excitement, it's stress, it's fear. If all those emotions compounded into 15 minutes, it, it will, it, it's bad. It's really, really bad. And after a while, like mid, I say mid 2017, like mid hype 2017, around September, October, it was like eating me up from the inside. Like it's all you can think of is I have a yeah. position open or how much is going to go up. I was waking up in the middle of the night, checking the price. Um, it's it, full, it becomes, full degen. It, no, no, <laughs> bad. I, I remember I had probably like on a, on a Wednesday afternoon, I was on the subreddit. Um, Monaco was going to announce a partnership with Visa. Like, because back then it was the big thing. Like, the first guy with a crypto credit card or like a Visa approved card, that's going to be the thing. Um, still waiting, and- still waiting for the Monaco card. They've rebranded to crypto.com now, and they like some of them have a card. They've rebranded to 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 CRO for crypto.com, um, but yeah, still waiting for the Monaco branded card. So I, I was like, this sounds like a good idea. Opened a small position, made twenty thirty percent, but like on a thousand rand. So it's in all intents, like it's it, it's a small amount. Like oh, I am the next Warren Buffett. This can only go good. Open up at the time a 0.3 Bitcoin position, which in today's money is what 200,000 Rand. Like it, it wasn't that, that bad back then. Um, and the announcement comes out, they don't have a visa partnership, and the thing comes crashing down. And I lose like 12,000 Rand in the span of 45 minutes. Like, and, and 12,000 Rand, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I have a big meeting right after that. And I'm just like, I can't focus in the meeting. I am like aggressive and agitated because of the mistakes I made in a meeting. That's like four pay grades above me. And I'm just like snippy. No, it's it's bad. It's really, really yeah. bad. So around that time, like I'm really like, committed to comp storage. Were you like, shut your mouth, boomer. I just lost 12 grand on fucking Monaco. <laughs> I, I think it, basically it was, it was in... In short, it was that, but we had a meeting about how we're going to measure some performance of a project. And basically, the project lead had like one way of doing it. And I just didn't agree. And I was not diplomatic in my way of making this known. Um, the person on the other end was very gracious and like, we get it. I, th- I think they said, we get it that you're, you're very passionate about this. I'm like, okay, let's go with passionate for today. Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> so shitcoinery turns you into an asshole at work as well. <laughs> it does. It does. And like that is almost the best case scenario if it doesn't cost you hours of productive working. Um, mm. Even if you're not into like extreme shitcoining and trading and things, something that can make you life changing money in the span of a year or six months, you make the right picks. It 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 consumes you. It it takes away attention mm. um, from building a career from like increasing your return at the fiat mine, if we can call it that. So how, how was the bear market for you, Neil? What, what realizations did you come through from uh, 2018 to 19? Um, 2018, 2019. So around in December, got like a small Christmas bonus at work, like a, like all the a December gift. It's a gift. Um, like I'm going to put everything in Bitcoin. It can only go up from here. I mean, it's gone up 
a thousand percent for the like since May to December, um, put in the whole thing in December, and it comes crashing down. By now, I have had enough exposure to like the John McAfee's of the world, you know, the modern philosopher John McAfee. Um, like it's going to a million dollars in 2020 or like a hundred. Come on, guys, let's respect the dead here, guys. Come on, yeah, yeah. I'm not not speaking ill of the dead. Not speaking ill. Um, he he was half the reason I put mine in cold storage and just couldn't sell in December. Um, had a friend phone me up in November of 20, of 2017, going like he sold everything. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like you're losing out on so so much gains. He got out of at, at, at a very good time, admittedly. Um, but yeah, I, I moved everything to cold storage because this is a long-term place. So by that time, I kind of understood some of the basics around it. What they don't told you it, or tell you is you shouldn't hold a shit coin. You should hold Bitcoin. So I haven't clicked in my head back then that I should convert everything to Bitcoin and then hold that. I was like, I was going to hold some Ethereum. I was going to hold my NEO. I was going to hold um, OMG. I was going to hold, and then like Bitcoin, like, terrible terrible decisions um no. but into cold storage and i was just like i'm i'm happy to ride out a three four year bear market so i, I mentally had made that decision and people were asking me because i was quite vocal about being into crypto i was i was that annoying guy at the office like that i was super into the hype um and people are like you have three four five hundred percent up when are you selling and i was like i'm like what is this I'm, I'm selling when i have fuck you money or if i don't have to sell basically implying that it'll become like a currency i was it was like a cult i was like a brainwashed cult member in in 2017. yeah i went but through that's... a lot of realizations in in 2018 and 19. i got in got in much earlier than that but you know there was still some shit coining in those days because the ico craze i think caught everybody by surprise and and there were only a few rational people back then and and you've seen the maxis really rise up from the ashes yeah. through that 2018 yeah. 19 23rd dude it was hard to, to be a maxi in 2017. yeah wait, hardly any and everyone's like oh what do you know man oh you fucking boomer yeah yeah it was it was like you, you're missing out on life-changing money because you're clinging to this and and back then they had the block wars yeah um like that that was a big thing i remember the block and no one knew what was going to happen and like they Massive airdropped it. like bitcoin cash and then that forked into what bitcoin gold and there was this bitcoin platinum and the bitcoin diamond and all sorts of things and it was like airdropping these things on people um well back then it was called a fork they just like fork the chain the whole time mm. um and like oh you would slow block speed in 10 minutes and now we know that's a good thing like it's it's secure and you can build a second layer but everyone's like ethereum is going to kill it like the, the uh, what's called the the flippening i think that yeah the flippening like it's gonna yes i i bought into that i was like yes, yeah it's gonna kill Bitcoin. this is this thing that, and no um now if people upload pictures of rocks and the network crashes on ethereum yeah but, but on but that yeah, point, is... on that, sorry, on that point, um, you know, there is a book called The Block Size Wars. Uh, I forget the author's name, but you know, to the listeners, I really, I really implore you reading that. It's, geez, I learned a lot. I learned so much, and and people like Adam Back, Samson Mao, and those guys now, you know, with Blockstream, 
up about worth what 3.2 3.4 billion dollars now yeah, they earned that company. they earned that because they were the guys that that believed in the fundamentals that believed in security first that believed in the small size of blocks and look where they are now and where's where's roger ver where's roger ver yeah no probably i don't know no, no legit, where's Roger Ver though? No one's seen, no one's seen him. <laughs> Guatemala or Panama or somewhere. But no, he's never, never since some kids he's got a he's got a spot there. <laughs> but it's 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 people like like that who who understood it at such a fundamental, like technical level, like they were like it's it's not going to work. Um, if we increase the block size to eight meg, then the man on the street can't run a node. Like no one will be able to download the ledger and run a node like they and it was it wasn't even about the transaction speed or the value it was literally on a very very this doesn't scale the way that we believe bitcoin is intended to scale um it 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 centralizes it even more to like people who can afford multiple terabytes of storage to save the blockchain on or save their ledgers on and in hindsight they were so far ahead of the times in their thinking. And they were just like, this not, and, and now we know, now we know it's, it's, they were right. And if they didn't stand their ground, what would like, I, I don't want to say more centralized than Ethereum, but we could very well be heading in that way. No, we, we definitely would have, like, we, we definitely would have been heading that way. And they, that's a big problem with Lightning Network with um, like central nodes. Um, as it grows, these central nodes that will route all these transactions could grow to become fairly big and centralized. Mm. And um, we really need to avoid that in the future. And, and, and hopefully the same principles gets, gets passed across to that, that mm. layer. But, but this is why... Sorry, Ricky. Sorry, just to... to the, the, this is exactly why the block war was so important, right? Because most people run a Lightning node on their Bitcoin node. So if you're already invested in a Bitcoin node... You can run a lightning node. So that decentralization like transcends layers, as it were. Um, so it's 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 cheap to run a lightning node. Essentially, it's free if you're already running a, a Bitcoin node. Then you got you know the man channel management, all that's another another story. But um, yeah, like what <laughs> Samson Ma and Adam Back and those guys who had the foresight to to fight the big blockers, yeah. did we? Also, the whole community owes them a debt of gratitude. Yeah, but those guys were involved from from the beginning, probably, or like at least very early on, and they like they've been through problems like that. This is things that they've yeah. thought of. Um, like, yeah, I mean, Adam Back, built, Adam Back built an e-currency before Satoshi. And then he was even yeah. on the first set of forums along with um, Halfini with, with Satoshi and all that. So he's yeah. been there from the beginning. And um, Well, he, know, was, he was referenced in the white paper, in the Bitcoin yeah. white paper, because he built Hashcash, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read... yeah. Hashcash was, was mentioned. Hashcash. Yeah. And even if you read like the book of Satoshi and you look at the initial like forum posts from Satoshi explaining everything, mm -hmm. like Adam Back, he's he's replying to things along with Halfini and all that. So he's there. He was there, and in, it's in the trenches, he was yeah. And it's yeah. it's it's problems that they came across and and thought of and solved. And I'm pretty sure, like if if you were, if you had the capacity to think of something like Bitcoin and then the future of it, because they developed it, implemented it wrote the white paper and there are things that they mentioned that were on those forum discussions where they're coming true now i think in like one of those first posts they mentioned trading card games on the blockchain well it's currently not on the bitcoin blockchain but those concepts are 
happening now. Like they they were visionaries of of their time, and they're visionaries even now. Um, it was what I was going to say as well about the about the nodes is you have all the people involved in Bitcoin now. If one percent of them was like, I'm going to start a node, then you start phasing out that centralization threat. Um, and I think it's it's important that we keep having these almost hype cycles, regardless of the halving and what the, what the, of what that means. But it's you reach a new audience every single time. Like you bring new people in, and if you bring in a thousand people, two people might go. I wonder what goes on under the hood. I wonder what is in the node, and that is that's important. It's important to keep that going, and eventually you'll have something like Bitcoin, very decentralized. But it's with the lightning nodes, the, the centralization is a, is a real, real concern. Yeah. But, you know, I think the, um, you know, people have to go through a bull market and a bear market first before you can even get to running a node. Because once you've been through a bull market and, and then a bear market and then another bull, you're like, okay, cool. I'm not trading. So how am I going to keep myself busy now? I might as well start digging into the underlying, like getting under the, under the hood, yeah. like you say, and playing around with the node and opening some lightning, cha lightning channels and, people who are like coming into Bitcoin initially get caught up in that. It's natural. They get caught up in yeah. that trading thing. And like, it's kind of, it's kind of how it goes. Um, it, and they, it, they don't get really It is, it is the mm. crypto purgatory. It, you have to go through it. I think. Yeah. You, you got to burn your fingers. My question is, is that actually, is there going to be another, you know, one year bear market for Bitcoin? I know there will be for shit coins because there's absolute just this, like non-scalable uh, speculation there that that demand will dry up absolutely but with bitcoin and, and obviously with those shit coins collapse they'll bring bitcoin down a bit and that and that's that's a sweet oxymoron right because bitcoin's yeah. always leading them and this this is why i'm so in anti uh shit coins because they steal so much liquidity and they're harming it they're harming something rational and real with with absolute bullshit, but they will bring it down in the short term. So maybe that's your mini bear market that lasts three to six months. Maybe everybody just exits the Bitcoin, but actually, is there going to be another bear market? So, that's the question. That is something that I've been hearing coming up quite often. I, I say quite often, like in the past month, I've probably heard like that, that concept like three or four times. With the level of adoption we're seeing, nation states adopting bitcoin like now there's a lot of controversy around that and what that means but in the long run that is a good thing like that that drives but you will you will always have maybe not like one year 80 percent drops what i think is going to become the norm is what we saw yesterday is a 20 percent one hour liquidation candle wiping out the market and just resetting funding and then you go chugging along and you'll have downtrends and uptrends. Um, but a, a small part of me wants to believe that maybe 80% bear markets slow bleed over a year or thing of the past. Um, yeah, because we had a 50% one now and maybe that's it. Maybe there are the three to four month mini bear hmm. markets and then you have your six month bull. Um, but it's, it's, not even, it's not even a bear market. It's a crash. And then it just kind yeah. of consolidates at that level. Like if we're using like the, the trading terms, it just kind of consolidates and ups and down and just ranges. So that is mm. that is a ranging market. That is a 30% of times that markets aren't trending. Mm. Um, 
And, and, and the point of that is, is that if every single person believes in the stock to flow model and they believe in the four year cycles and all that, it means it won't come true because markets are determined by the unknowns and the, and the winners there. And that's what I really yes. believe. And, you know, if that's, if that is the case, then people actually just don't know what's going to happen in the next few years. And this is why you just got to hold for the long term and so just stop worrying, you know, that. The, the main thing underpinning the stock to flow model, besides the consistency of the future production being known, we like we, we know what the Bitcoin issuance is, is it relies on a constant growth in adoption, if I'm not mistaken. So there's 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 a few variables and, and uh, plan B boils it down to its consistent issuance and we know what, what the market cap is. Um, and then that's based on the theory of gold and how gold is priced. But if you drive adoption quicker than the S2F model or the SFX model accounts for, you're going to blow it out of the water. Um, but yes, as, as soon as people start expecting that to happen, you're going to overshoot or undershoot it. Um, but I think what, what's going to happen or what, what might happen is people just wait for a bear market indefinitely and they by waiting for them for the bottom of the bear market, there's not a bottom for a year and a half or two years, just because people don't want to jump in um, yeah. and start buying and pushing the price up. So it's, it, it is like, can, can we predict it at this stage? But, and, and the biggest factor that everybody needs to keep remembering is that the price of Bitcoin is determined on the exchanges mm. and year on year, there's less and less percentage, total percentage of Bitcoin liquidity on exchanges. So people are just holding Bitcoin in cold storage, but the DJ and traders are determining the price on exchanges. And that's what you're saying. And that's why you do see those 10 to 20% drops because of oh, the extension on their side and, yeah. and they are degenerates. Um, no, it is like how like, Ethereum had $700 million of liquidation in an hour yesterday. That is people over leveraging and being a degenerate. Yeah. Um, and while we allow 125% leverage over 125x, so 1,250% leverage to people um, who don't know what they're doing, quite honestly, in, in like 80% of the cases, you're going to have events like this. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad because people lose real money. People lose life savings. Um, but you have to learn. Yeah, 100%. I mean, how else, how the fuck else are you going to learn? You know, from someone telling you, I mean, mm -hmm. sure, that's one way, but most people don't learn that way. They learn but through it's, experience. It's, it's also what the, the, the Dunning Kruger effect, like you think you know better. And for a while you do, if you make three, four, 500% gains, just because you're riding a market, you feel like you, like you're God of the markets. Yeah, I was born um, for this. I was born to be a trader. <laughs> exactly. Like, why Why have I been serving fries at McDonald's all my life? I'm clearly the next Warren Buffett. Um, and then you do things like that. But then on the other hand, you, people do that because they hear the stories of that family who sold everything in 2007, 2018 and put it into Bitcoin. But they did their research and they bought Bitcoin and they put it in cold storage and they just held it. Um, yeah. So they, they're doing the right thing. They're taking the wrong approach. Yeah. Well, so this comes comes back to like this uh, hodling versus trading. And I suppose, so, so where do you find yourself now in the, in, on the spectrum of this? So 
I find myself hating the word hodling just because people use it all willy-nilly. But besides my pedanticness about word choice, um, yes, hold DCA, pick an amount every month that you're willing to lose, and then just put that in. I hate that term, though, that people keep saying willing to lose because I, I really think they need to stop thinking that way. It's like the money you're willing to save. It's, it's, so if, and the problem, but the problem is like, even like Willy Woo and, and the guys who've been there forever are still saying that. I don't know why they do because so I, I, I think it's a, it's a risk management thing. Um, because people are so prone to just dump in a lot of money and wreck their life savings. If you are a first timer and, and let's assume they actually listen to the advice and don't go and take out a home loan and drop that into crypto at 20 times leverage or whatever um you, you want first times to dip their feet with an amount they can lose and eventually it'll take over and they'll have a a set amount allocated to bitcoin um but i yeah. i understand what, i understand what you mean if if yeah. we want this to be a, a proper asset class um i think take... people need to stop saying that i think people need to say that if you're going to buy shit coins then definitely say that that is that is a very good point. If you want to go and gamble, because like like Ricky was 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 asking, like most of mine is is holding, um, and every month you DCA and you put some into holding. Yeah. But every now and then you get the urge to go and spin the wheel. Like you you want to go and play a hand at the blackjack table. Um, you you yeah. want to pull the arm of the bandit. So. Then I'll take 500 Rand, 1,000 Rand, what I'm willing to lose, and throw it in a shit coin. And if it goes tits up, it goes tits up. If I make 500 Rand, 200. Like, but yes, I, I agree with you, Brandon, that that is something that where you have to go, I'm willing to lose that. Um, I think, but again, people, people, need, people need to understand why, because we've just had China ban Bitcoin completely, and we've just had a, a you know, 50% loss of hash rate. We've had a whole country with actual infrastructure of Bitcoin, just banned it completely and it's still surviving. It's, it's, it's showing, it's, it's actually grown from strength to strength from that. But your shit coins and, and the architecture around that and the teams around that, they haven't been tested. They have not been stress tested and they're going to be because governments will camp down on them. 100% certain about that. Especially with, with all, these, all these lawsuits that, that like XRP and Ripple are involved in and I saw Coinbase is another one with the SEC potentially. So if you pick up 50% of your hash rate and you move it, like you take it offline for three months and you move it and nothing happens to your network, that has to count for something. Um, so it's, it's just like, you can't pick up 50% of the Ethereum network and move. How are people gonna no. trade their pet rocks? <laughs> I think the difference here is conviction, right? Um, mm. You can build conviction in something over time if it remains static. So Bitcoin is extremely yeah. conservative. It still does the same thing. Every 10 minutes, a block is mined. Regardless, if 50% of the hash power gets, gets, comes offline because China's you know, attacked it. Um, but you can't say the same for any other shitcoins. And that's where conviction is built. So Brandon, when, when you say, look, putting Bitcoin into, money into Bitcoin is money you're willing to save every month, that's the way the three of us look at it because we've been yeah. through this, you know, we've built that conviction over time. But people who don't have the conviction, new entrance to the market, 
they still have to take the approach of money I'm willing to lose because they're not completely sold on it yet. They still, for them, it's still a speculative investment. Whereas for us, well, Neil, I, I don't know if I'm speaking for you here, but for Brandon and I, if Bitcoin doesn't work, we, I believe the world is fucked. You know, it's like our last chance because that means central banking is one. Well, I'm I'm most definitely fucked. <laughs> well, yes, um, yeah. We we I'm, personally, I'll be fucked yeah, as well uh, if Bitcoin doesn't our work. Our worlds are most definitely on fire then. But I, I agree with you. Like if the social media we consume is driving one narrative or the other. Like your government institutions are just like control, more control, more control. But we're seeing it with Australia. That is insane what's happening in Australia. And it's, it's actually quite scary what's going on there. Um, and it's, what's even more scary is that you have an entire country. And I'm like, I'm, I'm talking very general about a country I'm not living in and don't know a lot about. Um, but, and people just seem to let it happen. Like some of them are cheering it on and just like, yes, govern me harder, daddy. You know, the, the, the funny, I mean, I say funny, it's kind of, it's ironic, but so many people left South Africa to go to Australia because they fear South Africa is going to collapse and like, you know, all the bad things are going to happen. And they go to Australia and it just becomes a police state yeah. around them. It's kind it's, of, it's, I mean, I'm laughing. So, so We've got family, got, we all have family there because every South African yeah. pretty much has family has gone to Australia. And now they're all locked in their houses with the fucking army yeah. parading around the streets outside. And, and what's the, those, those quarantine camps where they, they yeah. build, like I haven't, I've, I've seen the post. I'm not sure how true it is. I'm really hoping it's some guy taking photos of an internment camp in North Korea and posting it as something in Australia, but it seems fairly credible. Um, no, it's for real. But they didn't build them overnight. They were built as mining camps initially. Um, yeah, yeah. So the infrastructure was already there. But they follow on yeah. up these quarantine camps for for uh, <laughs> people yeah. who don't want to stay at home, basically. Um, hmm. But you know, uh, the the camps. Whenever you're putting people in camps, nothing yeah. good comes from that. You know, yeah, like nothing. we uh, unless you actually go camping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then no one's putting you in a camp. You're putting yourself in a camp. Yeah, but you know, like, and it's a decentralized camp. If you're going into a centralized camp. I mean, I don't want to bring up the examples from the Second World War, but we all know how this ends, you know? Yeah, like, we, we, we all know what the, the underlying theme of this is and, and the intention of it. Um, but, like, it's, it's, and then it, it's also very good, very good, or very easy to go, or kind of convince yourself that, um, oh, no, but everyone knows what happened in the, the Second World War, and surely a modern-day government and society won't head that way again. And then very slowly we have been heading that way and like when do you say it's too much like once like all the doors have been welded onto your house and you have an app that you have to provide a photo to to show that you're indoors it yeah well, there will there will be a point of critical mass i mean even brazil we saw yesterday about hundreds of thousands of people on people on copacabana beach even yeah. with the military That's fighting. Um, and, you know, I was listening to Stefan Avera with Australia, and, uh, you know, their guns were taken away 15 years ago with the that mass shooting, and and they became very complacent over the years. And if something like this were to happen that, with COVID 15 years a mass, ago... That, that wasn't a mass shooting. That was a Tuesday in America. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, it's cool, like it's, it's complacency and 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 there is a point of critical mass um where people just go well 
it's it's it has to stop but the, the biggest point is that governments have become way too big over time and and bitcoin is the way to de-govern you have to take a portion a, a, a bit by a bit away from governments like one percent a year because you can't take it immediately but you have to take and, and a portion away and and bring them and and just make them smaller they, they cannot continue to grow this way and it's bitcoin in in my case was the start it's realizing i can have money outside of a system that it's mine it's my responsibility so there's like a lot of risk on me because that's what what people want their governments to do is they want to de-risk their their own personal responsibility and say you deal with it um and then once you go and like okay the money is mine now i have to safeguard it i choose how i spend it i choose how i move it and you go well why is it only with my money um why are What's the concept of a of a border? What like it 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 becomes this thing of where where do you draw the line of control? And I think the deeper you get into it, if we're talking about strictly Bitcoin, what intends like the philosophy around it, like it's 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 about taking back control, um, yeah. and and your freedom ultimately, and and in whichever shape, way, or form that is for you, I think it's 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 an unseen benefit of digging into Bitcoin. Yeah. And, and what you've seen in South Africa with communities protecting their private property um, with that mass looting we saw, right? You can see the inefficiencies of governments and the efficiencies of communities. But let's talk practicalities. How can you, how can you defund the government? And the defund the government by removing the ability for them to print money at will. It's, it's, it's first first principles and at, you at, at that the very very core yeah at the very core and you remove that ability if you remove that ability by moving your wealth to bitcoin and people doing the same they can't print more bitcoin meaning they cannot fund themselves more meaning they become smaller and smaller over time and, and that is why the whole circle encloses everything it does it becomes a snake eating itself like it and very few governments like El Salvador is what we're seeing now. And like the government in Ukraine made it legal today and there's, there's movements, but America isn't just going to say, okay, cool. Bitcoin's legal tender tomorrow. They're going to take almost a, a myopic approach and go, we will tax it. We're going to try and control it. We will make sure it's as hard as possible for you to use this. And we've seen it every single time. If you try to control it, break it down, stop it. It will find a way. They banned it in Nigeria. Nigeria is the largest, like one of the largest crypto markets in Africa now. How much more proof do you need that you cannot stop this? You cannot control this. You can join it and you can benefit along with everyone in the network or you can die. It's, it's a very extremist kind of view, but that is, that is the long-term view of it. Um, it depends. It depends on how much hubris, hubris you have, right? So, so big governments. The bigger the government, more hubris they have. The yeah. U.S. government is the biggest, the lot, and they think they they control everything. Um, you know, because I think El Salvador. Well, yes, uh, they they short quite a few. They had a few more a couple of months ago. Now they donated those. <laughs> um, yeah. tax, but, it's a tax write-off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
but you know um if you look on the on the on the world stage you don't get much smaller than el salvador in terms of power and influence globally than the, than the el salvadorian government you know they're tiny so you're not going to see this a top-down thing and it's bitcoin is a grassroots movement and you see it going from the individual to the to the company you know and then it moves its way up to the nation state level and obviously it'll be the small nation states that adopted it first and this is why el salvador little older el salvador is six million people adopted first and six and people. that is like the western yeah. cape yeah yeah and you know what I, what i really am looking forward to seeing is how does that play out in terms of el salvador's gdp per capita over the next five years like do we see el salvador like skyrocket from one of the poorest countries on earth per capita to like one of the most wealthy and the most evenly distributed as well. Um, but there will be, be more countries. There will be more countries within the next five years, and we oh, yeah. don't have to wait for that point because FOMO is the most powerful drug on this planet. And, yeah, and other countries will happen. Especially, especially on and like people look at, at at South American, like Latin American countries, and go like, "Oh, it's a shithole. Oh, it's 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 cocaine and it's, it's drugs and it's murder and prostitution and it's like where you go to avoid your taxes or get away from the police or whatever." But it's, I haven't it's heard any people. bad things yet, except maybe the murder part. <laughs> the rest is like, sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, like uh, where's where's where are the bad things? But it's it's people who who have a drive to improve their standard of living who who want to like in the, if you don't if not ruled by some ridiculous dictator there's there's a drive there and if if you go and say oh my neighbor's doing so well by doing xyz they are going to copy it and it becomes like like brandon said it becomes a fomo thing to do the best that they can possibly do for the constituents um and it's i think when when the el salvador, el salvador news came out if they just use Bitcoin to replace remittances, so if they just do all the remittances through Bitcoin and not through Western Union or whatever the hell people use, I think that adds $400 million to their GDP. Like, don't, mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure exactly yeah. of the number, but it is something like 10% of their GDP um, that you don't pay. Yeah, it's huge. To, to some American company, actually. Um, yeah. And you know, who's next? It's it's going to be another poor country, right? It's going to be another poor country that's got nothing else to lose, really. You know, what have they got to, what have they got to lose but their chains? You know, Amer uh, El Salvador is literally on the American fiat system, experiencing all the inflation of the American US dollar. None of the upside. Um, it's it's and the countries, like, it'll be the countries that are still, that are on the dollar because they have the inability to print currency, like South Africa yeah. or you know, countries with their own currency won't do that for us. They'll never. No, no. Um, like... So, so watch out for the countries who, who use the dollar. They're going to come because that those are the guys that have nothing to lose, and they can't they can't print themselves on debt. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's 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 going to suck for them short term if you go with all the con conspiracy theories of the IMF crashed the Bitcoin price yesterday or whatever. Um, but in the next five years, we've seen the cycles. We know how it goes. If you, like, I don't think just changing your, your balance sheet, your treasury to Bitcoin is just a magical switch you flick. But if, if it gets people thinking about it, if it gets people talking about it, if, it, if you can limit your spending a bit, like if, if you can still run a prudent government, you just change your unit mm -hmm. of accounting in five years, you're mm -hmm. going to be ahead. Yeah, like, they, you're not going to have the South they... African government stealing 500 billion rand and then just changing that to Bitcoin mm -hmm. and then you're fine in five years. Um, 
But if you have good no. intentions. They did, they did have hiccups yesterday and it's also on Rona and they will continue to have that. They have like liquidity issues in Bitcoin provi provided through BTN, uh, ATMs and all that. But um, I think like that's where they'll probably inevitably do partnerships and strike and all that uh, via the APIs yeah. and, and figure this out. And that's where, you know, the private market comes in and, and they sort things out. Yeah, and they'll sort things out real fast. You know, I mean, we know Jack Mollers has been has been advising um, President Bukele, um, and and it's not just going to be strike. It's going to be all of the Bitcoin companies are going to be there um, because yeah. now everyone accepts Bitcoin, right? So like, all of a sudden, all the issues and all the headaches you have for running a running a Bitcoin company in a fiat world go away. You know, it becomes a lot easier. Like from us, from yeah. Bitfire's perspective, like the fiat on ramps a pain in the ass. Like if we, you can now start offering products and services in Bitcoin to people who already have Bitcoin, like it just becomes so much easier. So and you're going to see like a boom legal, there. As soon as it's a legal tender, because currently if, if we were just to spend Bitcoin now in South Africa, there would be a tax event yeah. as the laws are currently written. Um, so if I want to go and buy a car or a new couch with Bitcoin, that counts as a taxable event. In, in some interpretations of regulation, because those regulations aren't like clear cut and like decided upon, but they have shown that they intend that to be a taxable event. You like you're trading an asset for another asset. Um, if it's legal tender, there's no taxable event. Is if if you held on for ten years and you're a baller and you're rolling in the Bitcoin, go and spend it. Welcome. Yeah, and and also people. You know, there's, there's indirect effects from this as well. There's going to be a lot of uh, fintech innovation, I think. And, and Jack Muller has really alluded to that because right now, I mean, I'm working with a, a big bank and a very big, the largest payment scheme, um, scheme in the in the world. And there's two different systems. And to try and integrate your system into both, it's it takes you like a year. And this is the same thing for every single fintech and and there's just this issue with these different systems but now like you've got these people working on one interoperable system who could just plug in like that with open yeah. source code ready so that 80 percent of it's ready done they utilize that built in front end done and now they can like start imagine building a, a plug and play financial system this is what they're doing that's what they're like, doing and yeah you're exactly see that's that's where you're going to see real innovate that's where you see gdp growth it's not about people saving. Yeah, it is. But that's where you actually, actually see job creation and GDP growth and all those wonderful yeah. things. So I, 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 it's, it's also, we are looking at this with like the most rose-colored, optimistic tinted lenses imaginable. Like it's, El Salvador is still a country with like a very high employment rate, low education levels. Like they still have very big social hurdles and problems and like half the country apparently aren't very keen on bitcoin it's like there's I, in in my little social media bubble at least i see only the positive and you see the ceo of binance with his el salvador flag and you like you, you see only the positive and people who want this to happen but there's a very real part of the population just like no Either like they, they don't understand it, they don't want to understand it, they, they don't have cell phones to run their wallets on. Um, but this will also have, will be a very good example of how do you upskill a population? How do you bring your population 
into the 21st tech century, both in using of tech, literacy, tech literacy, financial literacy. Um, as, FOMO. as a very big experiment, it's you just you just it, use FOMO. <laughs> yeah, because Once those people who don't want to adopt a year or two years down the line, they're going to be like, oh, I'm adopting now. Yeah, it's what I always say. Everyone has their price. Yeah, exactly. You get the price you deserve. That's the thing. You get the price exactly. that you deserve. Can we can we go into the IMF conspiracy theory about trying to crash the price? Because like last yesterday, obviously we saw DDoS attacks happening on a bunch of Lightning nodes, um, or you know Lightning service providers, and then we saw uh, the price drop quite dramatically. Um, yes. I mean, ideas can run and wild, but if if I were a nefarious actor who's trying to dissuade the population from accepting Bitcoin, I would, at launch, as soon as this law goes live and everyone's supposed to use Bitcoin, I'd make sure the price dumps. So as soon as they're looking at Bitcoin for the first time, they're like, whoa, this thing just dropped 20%. What the fuck? Exactly. It's like, oh, the, I, the government dropped me $30. It is now $22. Why? Or $24 or whatever. That is the quickest way you destroy trust in the system. Um, like, I... You have this whole everyone buys thirty dollars of Bitcoin yesterday. I think that was ridiculous because it's the exact opposite of it. It's 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 there's good intentions, but it 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 felt very bad actry in like a pump and dump scheme kind of way. Um, mint coin, never forget. <laughs> but never forget mint coin. Yeah. Never. Ah, terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's there's so many coincidences. DDoS on the Lightning Network. Then you have a liquidation event running basically all the stops on longs visible in the book for, for, for the near future. Like they, they basically cleared out liquidity in terms of people who have or want to buy. They just cleared it out. Like, okay, cool. There, there's your Bitcoin. Um, and then I, I saw another guy saying, What's the odds that happens and then every exchange in America goes down at the exact same time? But we know that if there's a big liquidity liquidation event going on, um, the exchanges just can't keep up. Um, I think FTX was the only one that had some sort of uptime or usability. The rest just shut down. Binance went complete. Yeah. Like, no, we can't. Yeah. But the, I, I think that is that is tacking on to it. Exchanges just go down like... Those liquidation issues take time to unwind all the positions. Yeah. But yeah, DDoS and the Lightning Network, as well as the immediate drop out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe there were signs. Maybe there were things to look at. We I just didn't see that. No of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the joy of this whole thing is, though, like, let's say you're a nefarious actor and you are trying to, you dumping, so you got to sell to make, hmm. um, you know, to make this happen. And there's a bunch of fanatical hodlers who are like, cool. Price dip. You yeah. can only you you run out of Bitcoin to do that with, right? You can't just keep yeah. doing this at, at infinitum. And if you do, if, if you got to get have more to money. Buy more to do it. Yeah, you got to buy more at a higher price, so you get less Bitcoin. So the the effect of you being able to do it gets less and less over time because those damn fucking pesky hodlers, those fucking maxis, will just keep buying. Yeah. And the maxis and the Bitcoin hodlers like are all highly intelligent, highly skilled, good fiat miners who make good money in real life as well. And they're just like, sweet, I got a stable job. I'll just keep buying. And they're just DCA. Then they're just buying up your liquidity. So it's a game of diminishing returns if you're trying to be nefarious about it. Unless you control a money printer, 
in which case you're just creating inflation for everyone else to do it. Yeah, and once again, you're passing you, all their wealth to hodlers. Yeah. It's, it's a very weird self-inflicted wealth transfer. It's like I'm trying to undermine your system and I'm actually just strengthening it. Um, and, and infrastructurally, I, I like strengthening to it too, right? Because all the lightning nodes are like, okay, well, we're not going to let that happen again. Yeah, people people are actually looking into it. Like we we cannot yeah. have this happen. Like we we cannot claim to be the the L two layer on Bitcoin, and then something like like this happens. There are people who have mm. vested interests again. That that free market thing. Mm. Um, we're gonna go and improve it. And you know, like how we want things to work. And and the, with how lightning works, like so, I, I was looked at what Elizabeth Stark said yesterday, um, and she was like, "We don't see any like." DDoS attacks being as like directly nefarious, whatever. But even if it was, it doesn't matter because the system is decentralized. So you're looking at, let's say, uh, Chivo or, or Bitcoin Beach or any of these, these wallets. They just say, hey, guys, we need some inbound liquidity. Please open a channel to us. So me and Brandon can open a, a, a channel from our Lightning node to straight to them, to Bitcoin Beach and provide inbound liquidity. So oh, like, <laughs> like it's just you, you, you're fighting against the cyber hornets, bro. And like, yeah. good fucking luck. You know, if you're a central bank, you can't control that. You, you that you're fighting against a decentralized army, and we know you can't beat yeah. a couple of couple of goat goat farmers in Afghanistan or a couple of rice farmers in Vietnam. Good luck trying to fight the cyber. No, like ones. how? But they've they've, no, they've already, a they've already million dollar missile. They've already found ways to you know uh, uh, split payments across different channels. So only a port, if there's not enough liquidity via some node, they split mm. those and find liquidity. So they they are automating these things and never bet against the human ingenuity and this is why um, i'm not worried at all about lightning network because they're just going to keep automating automating and automating and you just every single payment is going to find a way from a to b yeah. no matter what yeah um it's technological innovation of fight or flight and these are people who have shown that they are willing to fight. Like they're not going to run away. From, this is something they vehemently believe. Um, whether it's because they want to make a buck out of it or because they believe they can fight the system and they're doing it. Props yeah, for them. Or both. Yeah. yeah. You know, or both. Yeah, quite often, like, if you fight the system successfully, there's a buck in it. Welcome to the military industrial Bitcoin complex, bro. Like you got a bunch of guys who want to make a lot of money out of fighting you. And they fucking will love doing it, you know. And yeah. they're the smartest people in the world. Yeah, and they have they have more experience at it. It's no. And by now they are very rich, you know. Yeah. These guys have got I, real fucking money. I saw another guy saying today, like, why why are we allowing? Because I think Elizabeth Warren also, or with the whole ACC and Coinbase thing, is like, yeah. why are we allowing these people to bully us? We have enough money to <laughs> to just to buy them, either buy them or put in our own yeah. people. Which is like yeah. playing. It, all, it, it goes back to principles, guys. So, the, yeah. you know, you got Vitalik with a 70% pre mine who just pumps his marketing schemes and changes, um, you know, protocols whenever he wants. And then you got Satoshi, you built this thing, and he's technically like in the top richest 10 richest people in the world right now. And he still mm -hmm. hasn't cashed out any one Bitcoin if he were alive. And you, got, and you got the top down structure and those principles which you want to believe. And follow, and that's why with with you know Satoshi's followers, as you call them, it sounds a bit religious, but uh, they, they, they don't give a fuck about money. They don't care about money. They don't they care about principles. 
Okay, but on this okay. point, I would like to raise this thesis that I have. Bitcoin is a cult. I'm totally, uh, I'm totally yeah. no, no, uh, at, at peace with that. But it's a religion. It's a religion. But you know why I, it's, I'm, I'm an atheist, right? And, and it's actually only religion I follow because there's no central figure. There's no central figure to follow. There's no some almighty person. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a religion of a collective. Well, there's you a know, deity, you know, there's Satoshi, and then there's the, the fallen no, angel, Roger Ver, and, like, you know, it's... It's amazing. It's the hundreds of thousands of, uh, you know, visible and non-visible nodes around the world and the people following it. That's the religion together without any central figure. And that's why I've always had a problem with religion and following some authority, always. And now there is a, there is a cult or religion, whatever you want to call it, in some ambiguous terms, but... Uh, we don't need to follow a central figure because if something finally works when you don't need some central point to make it work. No, but that's ultimately what religion is about, right? Because religion always gets co-opted by a central figure or like by a, it's a power grab, right? But all religion is based on like this egalitarian view of like, cool, we, we, we interpret it in a certain way and we have our God and, and it, it's, it's good for everyone. It, it, it ties people together, you know? Um, and then it gets it gets co-opted and hijacked, and we see that in Bitcoin, like certain figures and personalities try to co-opt and hijack it, like like Bitcoin Jesus Roger Ver, who is now the fallen Lucifer. You know, like it's a, the parallels are not lost on me. Here. And like you've got the, the coming coming back to the to the El Salvador thing. What's that? That guy was from from EO, from EOS, where they had the uh, the meeting. Dan Larimer. Dan Larimer. Yes, 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 that guy. Brock and he Brock was Brock the Bitcoin is. representative. Like yeah. people are gonna co-opt it. They, they flew and they were there. What? Not even for a day. They didn't even go look at like you know Alzante and stuff like that. They yeah. just went to some boardroom, took some pictures, and they and they got the fuck out. Yeah, you know that's, when that's, Peter went... that that's the shitcoin that people are buying. That's that's yeah. that is exactly what people are buying and allocating their capital to to yeah. those kind of things because every yeah. single one doing, of them doing is it for the clout. You know when when Peter McCormack is calling you a sellout shill that and, and he's like saying these guys are fucking shit coiners that even when Peter McCormack is saying that that it must be fucking bad you know yeah because in my mind Peter McCormack is like he's, he's quite a nice guy you know he's kind of like a bit of a yeah. bumbling dude you know like you know I, I think even he was like this is fucking disgusting because he'd been like spending his sats in El Zonte living there and, you know yeah he doing was, his thing he was go going there like figuring out like meeting with the actual people whose lives this is going to impact in a massive way if it succeeds yeah like and he was buying coffee dan with lightning and all that shit yeah yeah and then dan goes and for a photo op <laughs> yeah i think it was i don't think it was dan larimer i think it was it was brock brock pierce but i mean same same right that guy, same sorry, bullshit. sorry yeah it was, yeah. Pierce, it was yeah. brock pierce also you mentioned something earlier that i want to i want to bring up and that was the mint coin scam I don't know if people remember this, but <laughs> Neil I, and I, 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 really, I want to hope that people viewing, uh, listening, consuming this podcast don't know about Mintcoin. No, but people must not forget. So Neil, let, let's hear the story because I will never let this go. Those motherfuckers, we called them out. But yeah, please, please tell the story. Part, part of our, our crypto journey in 2017, our Bitcoin journey, is you you join Facebook and you join a group and you shoot the shit about crypto and like this coin and we're trading and like this thing is going up in this project. And the group, the admin, they said they were going to take over a project and then give it a, a, a marketing flair and then they're going to pump it and the group can make money. 
Like there was, it, it was clearly a pump and dump scheme, and the whole group was like, it, that was a cult. Like mint coin, this is the thing. They had no product. They had no idea what they're gonna do. It was, it was so scammy. And every single time we would like go on a comment and like, this is a scam. You're gonna lose your money. And then you can go back on the price graph and you can go and see where the people in the know pre-bought it. There was like a spike and it calms down, and a spike and it calms down. And eventually there was some excuse of the people one layer up in the pump and dump group. Because it was coordinated between multiple yeah. groups, right? Yeah. It was a pump and hold, they were oh. calling it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pump and no, hold. It was, it was terrible. I, I would like to believe that people didn't lose a lot of money in it, but I'm sure people got burnt. Um, mm. And you and me and maybe like a few other guys were on the group there and we were like, guys, don't do this. This is fucking outrageous. These idea. guys, these bad guys idea. are scamming you. You're going to get pumped and dumped. And, they, and we were like, Sh-. I was deleted off the group. They kicked me off, <laughs> they kicked me off the yeah. group. They're like, you're negative Nancy. Get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah. But that, that's and, what you do. You kill the oppressive voices. Like you, you, you kill the people who bring to light your bullshit. Silence the unvaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Silence the non-believer. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened? Mintcoin is no more. First off, that website looked like it was made in 1993. Dude, it was fucking horrendous. I could probably build a better one just toying around in like notepad some HTML. No, it was bad. Yeah. It was really and if they had like some idea of um they're gonna bring medical data onto the blockchain no that was the next it, one it, that was that was the cycle from mincoin so, so how it went was the promoters of the scam who were the admins on the facebook group and the facebook it was like cryptocurrency south africa right there's a quite a big yeah. facebook group and the promoters and the admins on the group were like they were running the mincoin thing and then when it went south they were like no 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 give us your mint tokens we'll swap them around for this new token which is our blockchain that we're running some medical yeah. some medical whatever thing and <laughs> And by this time, I'd weaseled my way back onto the group again. And I was like, oh, the scammers are doing it again. They're just flipping again, the scammer. Scan. They're going to they're get, get the crypto out of you twice, which they did, yeah. obviously. Um, and those guys aren't in jail. They're still, they're still running yeah. around at large, you know, like, and they're like, oh, we got burnt as well. Sure. That's what every fucking scam orchestrator says. But, but also, then, then people go... So it's 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 funny now. It's funny in hindsight, and it was ridiculous seeing it happen in real time. Yeah. yeah but then yeah. so many people, like, it, the topic of Bitcoin will come come up at a bride. Like eventually, someone hears you're mm. into it, um, and then it's like, oh, but it's a scam. Like, yeah. Just because the only interaction you've had with it is in a News Twenty Four headline, doesn't make it a scam. Who still I still read News Twenty Four. <laughs> no one. No, no if you read News 24, you deserve to be scammed. You've probably already been scammed and you're still being scammed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, mm. the, the other one that they always use is, um, you know, criminals use it. It's used for, for, for criminals. And dr- I'm like, what about all the crime? Did, did money laundering start in 2010? Like, wh- mm. how did they launder money before Bitcoin? It's. Yeah. And and so I went why, into why would you not want to use that technology if it's available to you? Why would you actively want your government and your money? Yeah. So I went on to the um, chain analysis. They're like the main government bro chain analytics company, right? I went on to the chain analysis site and I looked at the latest reports. And there's a section there called risk. And you go to the bottom, it shows you how much Bitcoin is used in known illicit activity. 
It's 0.3% of all transactions, according to chain analysis. And obviously, it's in their best interest to be like, it's higher than that, you know, because they want to make it seem like they're really required. Yeah, 0.3% yeah, of transactions. But why would people Are use you, Bitcoin? Why would people use Bitcoin to launder money when it's the most transparent ledger on this planet? Because so they don't stupid. know what they're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's just a it's just a fun piece, you know. Like criminals use it. Like, I mean, if zero point three percent is the baseline, like how many what percentage of rands are used in scams or illicit activity, right? Much more than that. Tell you what, I mean, I pay yeah. my taxes. You know, like that's much more than zero point three percent. Paying taxes is a scam confirmed. Mm. But no, it's it, it's I mean, true. Like it's yeah, yeah. People are assigning things to bitcoins, like all we want is financial sovereignty like just let me handle my money keep the government out of it now yeah. i'm taking responsibility for drug dealers i'm taking responsibility for scammers i'm taking responsibility for boiling the oceans i'm, I'm predicting it i'm predict money. i'm predicting it now anti-vaxxer and bitcoin are going to meet and it's going to be like bitcoin is the preferred currency of anti-vaxxers you heard it here first guys it's coming so when the next fun piece is coming right wingers Oh, anti-vaxxers all use Bitcoin. <laughs> I no, because I can see that happening. Hundred percent, bro. It's predictable. Adrian Basson is salivating over it already. <laughs> yeah. If if you had a comment section, you're just like in the comments now. Like, oh. <laughs> okay, let's change gears quickly. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Bitcoin. Can we just this delve is, into this is turn into the average South African bry? <laughs> speaking of which you're in cape town all the other guys who are watching this are in cape town uh we're gonna have a bitcoin bry soon for all the cape townians yeah. we're Definitely. still doing it at, at 69.42 yeah yeah um if you want to bring vegetables to the bry you can fuck off <laughs> <laughs> no chicken um so so what i want to get into here last week mm -hmm. we had matt the neil on uh, neil you know matt as well um yeah. And we were talking about conventional financial products, right? So what is your take on conventional financial products now that you're a Bitcoiner? Um, how do you, how does this fit in? What's your thoughts on it? My, my very, very simple thoughts is, but I could be putting this money into Bitcoin. That is, that is currently how I evaluate every single investment decision that I have to make is this could be going into Bitcoin. Um, that being said, I, I think the the barriers to entry into good financial products are actually extremely high people are democratizing it people like easy equities make it very easy to trade stocks but then how, what stocks do you trade how how do i analyze a stock so it's it's very good at getting people to that first step and that is just if they open up front and they want to give you easy access the other half of it is predatory it's people like every second week there's an article of you're not saving enough for retirement get an ra don't look at the 4.5 percent fees those will go away with time it's so they they're using all these scare tactics to get people into products that are terrible for them um at least from from my point of view um and then Besides, just regardless of the return on the product, because if we look at RA growth in South Africa over the past five to 10 years, it's been horrid. Mm. Now you're locked into a product that 
doesn't allow you to move your money. And I've, I've, I've been putting money into a retirement annuity until early 2000s, or uh, 2000s, 2020. Um, and then that new regulation came out that said, um, if like, first of all, it was the um, prescribed assets. That's the thing, yeah. prescribed asset. And then they changed the uh, the regulations that if you were to financially emigrate, you have to keep your money in South Africa for three years before you can take it out. So that was like another nail in the coffin. Then they said, okay, cool. But due to how that works, they're going to calculate tax on what you would have paid. But because it's not due, it's only due in three years. They're now going to charge you interest because you didn't pay the tax, but you couldn't pay the tax. So that there's some legality questions around that, but they have proposed stuff like that. And eventually I just came to a point where I said, no, like the, the benefits of getting tax back in RA and having it like not having access to it, it's 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 not worth it. Um so we kind of took a roundabout way answering that. Um but yeah, everything for me is I I could be buying Bitcoin. Um, okay, I, think, but... I think I think with these funds and RAs and all these different types of investment vehicles, they're going to bring Bitcoin onto them eventually, um, undoubtedly. And these investment managers, whoever they are, and the structures they they provide, because they offer Bitcoin in there, that these investment managers or investment firms will hold Bitcoin, and you'll get the alpha out of that in your returns, because maybe it'll be a small portion of some unit trust or something like that but through that what you're going to see is it's going to be much harder and harder to custody bitcoin yourself this is where the, the attack comes and where how they enclose and then wrap like they they'll be able to hold bitcoin on your behalf and that's how it's going to become politicized and, and regulated that only these investment managers can hold Bitcoin and you can't hold Bitcoin yourself and they can only provide it that way. I, that's that's kind Shall of my we, thesis on what's going to happen. We've only seen... anti-vaxxers hold their own Bitcoin. Arjun <laughs> <laughs> is furiously scribbling, like foaming at the mouth headlines for the next week. Um, He's like, this is good shit. I'm writing this down. This is, this is good. I'm going to sign it. Like, check out the shit next week as well. Um, so we've, we've been seeing some of that happening with, um, I think, some of the banks in America, like, only offering it to their wealthy clients. So there's already, like, a matter of exclusion there. But I, I don't think so. I, I, don't, I, I hope. I'm, I'm optimistic in that sense that it doesn't get to that point where it gets politicized to a point where they say, no, you, you can't, you can't self-custody it. Um, and if they try to do that, it's going to go very, very badly. Because people are just like, why? So either they're going to shut down how the ramps, how they're going to enforce it, you know? Exactly. Well, like they, it, they, but they I'm saying that they'll do it subtly in a way that they don't harm people or offend people. They go, "This is the, the way boiling, it's supposed to be. This is the way it's supposed to be. We hold it on your behalf." Just like exchanges have normalized that, guys. Yeah. People actually don't understand what the fuck is going on when they keep Bitcoin in exchanges. It, like. 80% of people, 90% of people. They just don't understand. And that's no, the thing. They're just going to normalize dangerous. it. Yeah. It, but it, like you say, they're going to normalize it. They are going to use the risk of it against the consumer. They, they're going to go, um, 
marketing campaign. They're going to go, uh, you've heard of Bitcoin, but you've also heard how volatile it is. And then they're going to have like the red arrow crashing. And then it's going to be like the Vietnam helicopters and the PTSD music. And that is how they're going to like start it. Like it's, they're going to market it as something risky, something volatile, but mm. you've heard of the gains. Let us take the risk out of it for you. It's it's going to be something. Go. They're going to be very go. insidious about it. You should be a marketing um, manager, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're going to try. They're definitely going to try. Yeah. Um, however, uh, I think the power of media has been spent largely in 2020, 2021. They have they have overplayed their hand, and a lot of people are just more people. Let's put it this way: more people in 2021. Then in 2019, don't believe a word that they hear in the media. Yeah, and like yeah. the the people like nothing red pulls you faster than like realizing, oh, you've been fucking lying to me for the last few years. Uh, you yeah. you guys are saying people are like dropping like flies, but then I see there's people in Florida like going to football matches and packing into yeah. stadiums and like no masks, no vaccines, people having a good time. And then the guys in New York are saying like you need to be you need to double mask and like stay inside and like eventually you know the, the the reality sinks in and it'll be the same with us they'll come up the campaign you have to trust us institutions to hold your bitcoin and most people not most people some people will be like nah fuck you i already hold my own bitcoin that's bullshit yeah. um and then a lot of people will stop believing obviously they'll catch a lot of people in that net but you know here's what i've realized through 2020 and 2021 not everyone's gonna make it guys like not everyone's gonna make it i'm sorry yeah. some people like normies the optimists survive the, the sorry the optimists die the, the cynics survive those who are optimistic optimistic i hate to bring it back to the camp but they're the ones who end up in the camps and the gas chambers because they're like oh yeah. the institutions wouldn't fuck with me so where, where does it come as a as an individual now um for you you know where where do you see like yourself strategically like making moves to if it gets to that way in South Africa, for example, they say, cool, you have to have, go through a regulated custodian and they'll hold your Bitcoin for you. You can't self-custody. What's your backup plan? Because um, I don't see you giving up your, 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 your self-custody Bitcoin. What, what self-custody Bitcoin? I don't, I don't own. I lost all of it in a terrible voting accident. <laughs> but that's... They are that last is weekend on Tiavatas. Yeah. On a, on a drive by cold storage wallet rond. But like that's that is how people are going to go about it. They're just going to say, "What what Bitcoin?" There's uh, unless they just move it off an exchange to their wallet, and then yes, SARS go can, to which wallet they was that? And they go and check the wallet. Yeah, yeah, um, they can check so the wallet, but you can check the wallet, but they, you can't prove you have the private keys. But still, you do need to coin join. You need you do need yeah. to increase your privacy. Yeah, yeah. So there's there there are they're lucky there are ways and means of doing that. Um, but it's, but it's I, I mean, get it, get it off an exchange, I, get it on a cold wallet, yeah, memorize yeah, 100%. your passphrase if you have to. Yeah, but I mean, more so next weekend, next weekend, next week, we've got Katie the Russian coming on to talk about plan B passports and so like, um, alternate cool. options, jurist, so you can play jurisdictional arbitrage. What, what's your thoughts on like getting a foreign passport in a tax haven, for example? Um, I'm, I'm in the very fortunate position that I have via ancestry access to an offshore to a British passport. Um, and I'm, I'm in the, in the process of applying for that. 
Every fucking yes. time. I have an Afrikaans person on the show and they have a British passport and I don't. It fucking enrages me. Who, who do you think like colonized South Africa? Like the colonizers have to come from somewhere. <laughs> but like I'm, um, I'm English and I don't have a British passport. It's fucking bullshit. Terrible colonizer. You. That's why, that's why no, you have but... a British fiance, Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Have to. But, yeah, but it's um, still a five year. And I'm going to go live in Bad Island for five years before I can get that passport. So, it's, yeah. Uh, no. no. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm in the process of, of attempting to get that if I can stomach the admin at home affairs and if they don't lose the paperwork halfway through. Um, but, yes, and like eventually, like it's, it's good to have the option. Um, and like my fiance and myself, like we, we are discussing like, way two, two, three years, five years, like, so there's, there's definitely that discussion going on. Um, but it's, if it's, if it's running away in brackets, that's, that's, I don't think that's, that's the way to go about it. It has to be going after opportunities. And I that's think for point. us currently, the opportunities overseas long, long term are just better. I will most definitely keep my eye open for like somewhere that are somewhere that is lighter on the crypto taxes and regulations. Um, Portugal. With like perhaps they don't tax it as hard. Perhaps there's no taxes. That's definitely like a top of mind thing. Um, I don't have nearly enough money to consider a plan B passport yet. Um, hopefully, if we hit that one. One or five million dollars a coin—that's that's, that's a different thing. Um, but also, I don't—I don't think that's the thing that a lot of people do. Um, people, or most people, don't, either they go to Mauritius, shout out Magnus Haystack, like shuffling people in there, um, or they just like I'll get a job overseas and and, and move over. Um, and also, like, how many South Africans can afford those kind of passports now? Yeah. Because so, yeah. the cheapest, the cheapest is Vanuatu. I mean, it sounds romantic, but you, you're going to be there for a week. You're going to be over it. Yeah, but I mean, Vanuatu sounds like some sort of medication as well. So, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I think you, a, a lot of these, yeah. a lot of these places are like, you're not going to have the standard of living you're having here. Yes, we're basically living in prisons. Yes, the government shit. Yes, the powers of, to an extent, you can minimize the effects of that. You can join a neighborhood watch. You can grow your own food. You can take your water and your electricity off grid. There's ways and means of doing that. You can move um, to Bredasdorp. You can move to Bredasdorp, yes. Um, and that is definitely an option. I think that is something that if, if you have the means, consider that. Especially now where we're working from home. I haven't been in the office five times in the past year and a half. Um, I've I've considered just like going to Bali and working from there for three months. Yeah. And that's the thing. So going back to the second passport, it's not about you have to live in the second place, right? It's about having exactly. that passport to be able it's, to move freely. Yeah. And when you move exactly. freely, you then, um, and, you, and you financially immigrated from South Africa, you start like living in a way that where should I be actually be taxed? I don't have any tax rates. <clears> and and that's you can still live in South Africa six months a year. Uh, yeah. You could, five, but then, five months and twenty-eight days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you have to financially emigrate; otherwise, they are taxing you everywhere. So yeah, 
that's that's and that's the thing because people we, we have this notion I had about from the parents we come from that everybody needs to own a home but because of technology and deflationary forces that places mm. on us technology has made renting made renting properties way more way more like a better option than buying a property that is my yep. opinion obviously people would, would differ on that but because of that, okay. because of technology, you can rent anywhere in the world, move freely, and you yeah. could eventually not pay tax legally. If, yeah, if you move into the right areas, if, if there's a lot of setup to get that going. But I think once you have that going, you have that sort of lifestyle, that that digital nomad sort of lifestyle. That is mm. that is romantic. That's a romantic idea. That is something cool. That's something to to strive for, um, especially if you have a job that you're able to do from everywhere. Um, it's, it's, but you, know, but, you yeah. sacrifice as well. You like you, if you yes. have kids, you want a community for the kids. You want them to yeah. grow up in a stable environment. So you got to think of those things as well. And uh, you got to find it's, a there's, there's not a, a one size fits all solution to this. Like what yeah. what's going to work mm. for me is not going to work for Ricky. It's not going to work for Brandon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I've I've considered that a, a lot in the, the the thinking and like talking with my fiance about potentially emigrating. It's what about your friends? Your your base is here. You're moving into a yeah. new culture. You're moving into a new language, potentially, depending on where you're going. You're moving potentially yeah. into a new time zone, which is a big deal. Like if if you're suddenly, let's say you move to Canada, which a lot of South Africans do, that is an oh, eight, nine hour right. time difference. Now, if, if you manage to deal with the cold and the, the moose attacks, which are terrible. The, the woke attacks. Uh, yeah, that Justin Trudeau put a nail in that coffin possibility. Yeah. Like, Done. I was I was in Canada four, five years, three or four years ago, for like a week for training or something. I love the place. Canada's amazing. Love the snow. It's the people are great. But what I'm seeing now, it's mm. may, maybe that's not so high on the list of possibilities anymore. Um, yeah, but that that is also something that. That you have to consider um and and that list for everyone is going to be different every single time but brandon on, on the on the topic of renting is five years ago eight years ago um seven years ago like all my colleagues like you have to buy a house like mm -hmm. it's the best investment you have to buy a house you have to buy a house like uh i have to pay off my student debts and my car and i don't really have and they're all saying this as people who just bought, like I said, just like the past two, three years, support houses had 80, 90% growth, like the Cape Town markets completely go bonkers. And they're still in the, you have to buy a house, you have to buy a house, you have to buy a house. I'm looking at the market going, no, no. Why not would you only buy a house you... when you can buy Bitcoin? Why would you buy a house? Why? Buy yeah. Why? Uh, why buy a house why? when you can have a Citadel? And why, then, why be stuck in in, in in like a certain area with so many variances of risk around that, where you yeah. can have something that's an asset that you can you can be agile and go anywhere in the world, and you never need to worry yeah. about that. Yeah. That is, what happens? That you that buy a house. A what happens? You buy a house and a bunch of Karens move in next door to you, and you just got Karens <laughs> all around you. You fuck. <laughs> how's how's Predog working out? Like the. <laughs> yeah, I uh, mean, yeah, Karens. Yeah, this is why yeah. I, there are no Karens in Bradasdo, bro. Karens, not Karens. Yeah, but they're yeah. I'm gonna cut myself short there. Every, every 
every place has their people. The the people make the place. Like, yeah, for sure. The the only thing about the digital nomad thing is like, how are you gonna have a citadel if you're a digital nomad? And like, I I think, or me, this is me personally. Like, I've come to terms over the last few years that being in a place and developing roots and developing community, it's intangible, but it counts for a lot. You know. Like whenever you go overseas, I mean, all of us have traveled and you go and you live abroad for, for a few months or a year or whatever, you start longing for home. And it's, it's, it's because of the, the culture and the community and the roots and the things you put down. And that, that counts for something, you know? Um, and and it's, 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 more, yeah. it's more than the culture and the community and things. It's, it's a sense of, of known. It's like, I know these people. I, it is expected. It is safe which probably is, is community and family and culture and things. Um, but ab- above all of that, that makes it known that like I can be vulnerable. I can be myself. I can, I don't have to worry about like impressing these new people and building up a friend base. And like you have relationships that have lasted years here. It like, you don't just move to a new country and, and everything falls into place. It is, it's hard work. And some people don't make it. A lot of people don't make it. That's why they want to come back. Which is why, why if you're going to move to another country, you got to deal with all of those things. At least go somewhere where you pay a lot less tax. Yeah. You know, like at least you can wipe your tears <laughs> with your extra money then. You know, like yeah. if you go to, this is why like a British passport. Cool. Okay. The country works, but fucking tax is worse than here. You know, cool. You yeah, get like more the, for your tax. Just get more rain for your tax though. Yeah. But it, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want it for like a, I want to move to England. It, it's on the list. It's always a possibility, but it's just for travel. It's for, for purely simplistic travel reasons. Don't have to go and sit in the visa queues. You rock up, show the book, give you a stamp and you're in. That, that was a, initially my, my justification for going through the process. It's just, it makes traveling so yeah. simple. Yeah, absolutely. It, it end up staying for three months, get a good job, mate. Yeah. Um, all right, on that bombshell, um, I think we're going to leave it there, Neil. I got dinner to make. Um, dinner to <laughs> thank make. you. Yeah, we're harder on these parts. Um, yeah, we're going to so, the fire. Yeah, you see, I married an English girl, um, which means I also have to cook. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Anyway, I'm on that bombshell. For, like, I'm waiting for the frying pan to just hit him over the head. I'm just... Uh, yeah, I've been particularly feisty this evening. It's because I haven't had my vaccine yet. Um, oh, yeah. yeah no, just, <laughs> certainly that. <laughs> okay. So, Neil, if anyone wants to follow you, uh, see your opinions on things, don't. Um, yeah, no, I'm on, I, I have very little opinions that I publicly publicly voice. Um, oh. I'm, on, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. But it's like no one does that anymore. No, I'm, I'm yeah. totally fine being... Good. Off the social media grid. If you want to meet Neil, come to our Bitcoin bribe. You can talk yeah, some things there. Yeah. Um, invite yeah. only. So it'll be a select few who get to actually meet you. Um, Brandon, anything from your side? No, nothing from my side. I just want to leave us off with a, a video that I'll play. And um, yeah, Neil, thanks so much before for your time. Before you play that, Brandon, I've got to do some plugs. First plug, yes. if you want to listen to the audio version of this podcast, track down By the Horns. You can find it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or you can plug into our RSS feed. Um, so you can get the podcast, the audio version. If you want to buy Bitcoin, hit up Bitvice. 
brand under my company. We do self-custody only, so we don't hold your Bitcoin for you. We help you get set up with a hardware wallet, with a multi-sig wallet, or a hot wallet if you want to go that route. So we do custom bespoke solutions for yourself or your company. Um, and we are bringing out a, I know we've been harping on about this for a while, but the SAT stacker is coming, guys. Promise you it's coming. We're busy doing it's the coming. We're doing, it's coming. We're doing the we're doing the tech and uh, the the integration at the moment. We're very excited, um, and a fresh new website. Hey, Brandon. Yeah, it's 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 out there, and I mean, I think people have been waiting patiently to to mm. you know, dollar cost average every <clears> month. We're going to bring it you weekly, bi monthly, or monthly. We're going to bring the minimums down. We just really want people just to buy the coin, self custody immediately, and don't worry about everything because Bitcoin will sort you out. That's it. All right. Cool. Thank so, you. <laughs> thank you, Neil. So we're going to leave a video with our boy, Matt Adel, who just actually just summarizes in a minute what everything is about with Bitcoin. So thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Cheers. Cheers. Bitcoin represents hope. We need Bitcoin. If we don't have Bitcoin, we're absolutely fucked. But what most people care about is the financial case for Bitcoin. And at the end of the day, Bitcoin is the most scarce asset that has ever existed. There has never been anything more scarce than Bitcoin. And the overwhelming majority of people have not realized that yet. So if you don't have a Bitcoin accumulation strategy, if you don't have a strategy that involves being able to hold your Bitcoin through chaos without it getting taken away from you, you're not going to have a fun time. You need to get on that right now because as far as I'm concerned, every single other asset will trend to zero against Bitcoin long-term. Whether that's the Chrysler building, whether that's your favorite shit coin, whether that's Apple stock, it's all going to trend to zero in terms of Bitcoin. It will still have value, but it'll have much less value when you compare it to the purchasing power of Bitcoin. So I think every single person, especially young people, should be focused on trying to accumulate as much Bitcoin as possible and learn how to use it with privacy best practices. Otherwise, it could be taken away from you in the future. Mm -hmm.